Well, good morning again, church. Good morning, online community. Let's get into it. We are continuing our series on courage. If you will have courage, and the two topics we're going to hit today and next Sunday, you're going to be enormously successful in life. People can say and do the dumbest things when they are face-to-face with somebody who's uber famous, rich, powerful. I mean, you know, they just go like, it's like, oh my gosh, like you see a movie star and then like you're in 7-Eleven or something, you run into, you know, a famous person and then what people say or do is just like they're starstruck, right? Here are a couple examples. Uh, Taylor Swift, this person says, I said to Taylor Swift, wow, you're tall. Even though I'm not a teen anymore, I had a growth spurt last month. (laughs) Taylor Swift, rolling with it, said to me, me too. I'm 23. We must both be late developers. (laughs) Like, how gracious was she? This one guy ran into Justin Bieber in the park. I met Justin Bieber in the park, and I asked if he was enjoying the weather. He writes, the weather. I still cringe when I think about it. I talked about the weather with Justin freaking Bieber. Of all the things I could have thought to talk about, I chose that. Another guy ran into Troy Seven. I believe his name. He, he was an X-Men. He's an actor. He's an Australian singer and actor. This guy says, I saw him and I bent down and was ready and said, no, he says, oh, this is what he says to him. He says, Jump on my back. He says, I bent down and was ready. And he says, "Uh, I don't want to hurt you. And he says, the guy's the size of my pinky. He goes, I was stupidly already squatting down and ready. Here's the last one. Jerry uh, Hallowell. She was one of the singers of the Spice Girls in the 90s. Okay, this girl band sold 100 million records, best-selling female band of all time. And this girl says to one of the Spice Girls, quote, I think the song Believe by Cher was the best song of the 90s. (laughs) These things just come out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, God, I wish I could have that back, right? Because... They're, they're struck by the disparity of who I'm talking to and who I am. Their position in life, my position in life. And there's such a, a, a vast gulf between the two that you just say and do dumb things. Well, there's no greater gulf in life than the gulf between God and us. That's why when Jesus, who, you know, Peter, James, and John, because Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% man, and he only revealed his humanity to Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the disciples, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that term? Familiarity breeds contempt? Like, I could go to another town today, and they, will, they would invite me in Mexico, like in Mexico as an apostle, and they would all honor me, 
and they would like make sure that I was taken care of. Every word that comes out of my mouth is from the throne of God. But, I, you know, I hang out with you guys, and it's like, ah, it's just John, you know. Or I go home to my family, and it's like, ah, oh, it's dad, right? You see, familiarity can breed uh, dishonor, disrespect, contempt. That's why Peter can say to Jesus, when Jesus says, I must die, I'm going to go be crucified. And Peter says, that's a really bad plan. So now Peter thinks he can give advice and counsel to the Son of God's divine strategy for the salvation of the world. Why? Because Peter is so familiar with Jesus. And Jesus has to turn around and remind him what's what. He says, get behind me, Satan. Peter's like, dang. But Peter had misunderstood who God really is. Because he comes to us in such a familiar way. It's shocking to us that the God of the universe would become one of us and eat with us and laugh with us and talk with us in that familiarity. So God or Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to pray like he had done many times. But in this moment, it says that Jesus shone brighter than the sun. And then there's Moses and there's Elijah. Now, these guys have been dead and gone for a long time, but there they are. So talk about the gulf. Talk about the gap, right, of them and me. Here's Peter, and then there's Moses. He's actually seen Moses, who had died a couple thousand years earlier. And there's Elijah, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. And then there's Jesus shining brighter than the sun. What would you do? You don't know what you would do is the answer to that. What does Peter do? Nobody asked him to say anything. Nobody asked him his advice or his opinion on this moment. But he decides because of the, oh my God. You know, he says, it's good that we're, it's good that I'm here. It's the first thing he said. Yeah, it's good that I'm here. And I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a tent for each one of you. <laughs> so then God speaks out of the heavens. Peter, stop. Pretty paraphrased, okay? I was paraphrased. That is why the writer of Hebrews has to say this to us. Therefore, there's a therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, you got to see why you're what you're there for. How'd you get to that spot? We'll look at that today. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace that is the throne of god's gracious favor with confidence and without fear like i said if you can have courage and the two topics we're going to talk about today and next sunday you are going to be enormously successful on this side of heaven let us come this says with confidence and without fear to the throne of god other translations say bravely boldly or with courage now why do you think the writer of hebrews the book of hebrews in the bible would have to tell us 
that it takes courage to come before the throne of God. After all I've said, it's not a trick question. Just talk to me. Why does it take courage to approach the throne of God? Israel. Okay, see, I told you it wasn't a trick question. Because you're in front of the creator of the universe. Knees knocking. Right? Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, he's walking into the house of God because he's upset about the condition of things. He's walking to the house like God like this. And all of a sudden he says, I saw the Lord's glory fill fill the temple. He falls on his face and says, I am a man of unclean lips. Among a people of unclean lips. Like his whole demeanor changes when God reveals himself. We need courage to come into the presence of Almighty God because of his holiness and our sinfulness. His awesomeness and our weakness. His wisdom and our foolishness. But that disparity isn't revealed until you're actually in his presence. But look, when we come to God in prayer... When we approach God, our spiritual insecurities are revealed by the way we relate to Him. Many of us come like this, right? Oh God, I just want to talk to you today, right? Or we just avoid Him altogether because of our sinfulness. Um, We look ourselves in the mirror, now we're going to go talk to Almighty God. And that spiritual insecurity, the cowardness that we come by it honestly, short circuits the release of God's grace and resources from his throne onto the earth, which is why I want to talk to you today. Coming to the end of our courage series about courage with God. You've got to have courage. That's what the that's what the scripture said, right? Come courageously boldly up to the throne of God's like how could you do that that's prideful that's arrogant no it's what I call false no that's what I call humble confidence the humility is I know everything I have the privilege did you read that word right there we come with privilege where do we get that privilege from Jeff where do we get the privilege to come before the throne of God huh from the Holy Spirit Oh, you guys are getting ahead of me. You guys are too smart for this preacher. I shouldn't ask you questions. That's right. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. When we try to come, when you try to come to God in prayer, and you're like, well, I read my Bible three days in a row. I'm feeling good about myself. Now I have confidence Now I have confidence to come before God. Boom, you run into a shut door. Oh, that didn't get me in. Why not? Because on your best day, you're not worthy enough to be in God's presence. On your best day, you could fast 30 days. You could read the Bible for 100 years. You're still not worthy to come to the throne of God. Oh, I know what. I'm going to give all my money to the poor. I'm going to buy my way into the throne. Boom, you run into a door. It's like, well, money, the Bible says wealth does not profit in the day of judgment. Your money's not going to get you into the presence of God. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll just call God the universe. 
That, see, that's soft, and that's vague, and that's easy. That's not a person I'm responsible to. We'll just call it, it's new age, by the way, regurgitated, so it's not new. And I'm going to call it the universe. Boom, you're going to run into a door. Can't get in that way. I know what I'm going to do. I mean, for sure. Oh, well, we all, come here, Stephanie. We all know Stephanie gets to go, right? I mean, this is St. Stephanie, right? Okay, so go up to the throne of God. And I'm just going to sneak in, Ricky. I'm going to sneak in. That's the time when, boom, we run into a door. Yep. That doesn't work. There's only one pathway, only one way you and I could ever come to the throne of God. What is it again? The blood of Jesus. Jesus made a pathway of blood, his blood, the Bible says, all the way up to the throne of God. Every single time you come to God in prayer, do not come by your own righteousness or your own goodness. Come only by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you can come boldly every single time. Boom, right before the throne of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. That, but you see, it has to be what you, what you know in your mind, because those shaming thoughts, those self-critical thoughts will keep you away from the presence and the throne of God. You can say amen right now because this is good preaching. But what about when you're by yourself and you need to go to God and you've sinned? Say the blood of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Say the blood of Jesus. Say this. The blood of Oh, no, no, let's back it up. Say faith, faith. Plus, the plus the blood equals the presence of God, presence of God. Every, time. every time. Let's do it again. Faith, faith. Plus, the plus the blood equals the presence of God, presence of God. Every, time. every time. How many times? Yeah. Every time. The blood of Jesus. That's why the writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells by means of your righteousness. Oh, we're back to the blood of Jesus again? Why the blood? Why, why, why did it take blood? What's that about? The wages, all that. The wages of sin is death. Adam, in the garden, sinned against God. And so the penalty of that was death. He was supposed to live forever. I don't know if you know that. But the death gene entered into Adam when he disconnected from God. And the shame that came on him. They had to cover, they had to cover themselves. And all of that has been the way the human race is the condition of us ever since. So Jesus came, and one of Jesus' names is the second Adam. God came down to fix it all. But he had to come down as a man, because a man is the one that broke the relationship with God through sin. So a sinless man had to fix the relationship with God through living a righteous life, then paying the price, which was death, for us. So don't ever try to come to God on your goodness.
if you can get this family of God, if you can get this, and to always come to God by the blood of Jesus, only by his blood, you can come confidently and courageously before the throne of God as though you've never sinned. That's what justified means. Justified never done it. I'm telling you, church, we will be a bold church. If you can get this, you will be a dangerous Christian. You'll be praying things that just make other people shudder. You'll be praying prayers that are so bold. I'm going to tell you one. I remember going up to uh, the mountains in Big Bear because I, I needed to get in God's face. Oh, man, I needed some breakthroughs. You ever, I call that the... That, anybody been desperate before for God to do something? I was so desperate. I took my dog and I took like three jugs of water and that was it. Oh, and a little book, my Bible, and a little book called The Blood Covenant by E.W. Kenyon. Went up to the mountains in Big Bear. Got alone with God. Did not talk to a soul. I just wanted to talk to God. When I take walks, I'd see people. Didn't say hello. I didn't care about the human race. I wanted to meet with God. During that three days, I got a revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ and the authority that that blood has given to us as believers. It like, bam, it's like this, you know, like this big screen TV of revelation of the authority we have. And I'm telling you, when you break into that revelation of the authority you have, which enabled you to stand before the throne of God and receive grace for the need on earth, it's beyond shocking. It's even hard to preach. It's even hard to explain this, that we would have the same authority that Jesus Christ has when he walked the earth. This is what we have. We just are finding out about it and trying to understand it. But when you get a revelation of what I'm talking about today... I had a friend who had not had a job in three years. And as I was in prayer up there in this, uh, this, this cabin up in Big Bear, this anger for, for him rose up in my heart because he really wanted work and he had just felt shamed and he didn't feel like a man. And he just, he was living in my one bedroom apartment with me. I was letting him live on my couch and, you know, and I thought that situation's got to change. And I remember family... I was standing in that A-frame cabin up there in Big Bear, and I pointed my finger, and it was like the throne of God was behind me. I'm standing here in the name of Jesus Christ, speaking with authority. You see, I wasn't focused on me. I was focused on the blood of Christ. I was focused on Jesus' righteousness, not mine. And I said, I command Donnie as a job in the name of Jesus. Now, when that came out, I'm thinking, ooh, you know, it's like... Am I in trouble for praying like that? Is that, well, you know, is this okay? You know, honestly, in that moment, I didn't care if it was okay. Strike me with lightning. You know, I I had it. I came down off that mountain. I ran into my neighbor, and he said, you'll never believe who got a job. I said, Donnie. He goes, how'd you know? You've been gone. I said, "What, what day did he get that job? He said, Tuesday, which was the day that I made that declaration this is the boldness 
I'm talking about. That's available to us. Jesus' blood made the throne of God where all blessings flow available to us. Not only for ourselves, but for one another and for the earth. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's why Hebrews 10.19 says this. My friends, say it again. Come on, church. The blood of Jesus. Say it again. The blood of Jesus gives us courage to enter the most most not even just the holy place i don't even want to go into the holy place me knowing me i don't even want to go to the holy place let alone the most holy place do you know israel in the old testament you know how you know who got to go into what they called the most holy place the high priest not just a priest no common folk the high priest this is the one man in all of Israel that was designated by God to go into the outer court, into the inner court, where the you know, bread was and the wine was, which represented Jesus, the blood and the body of Christ, and behind a 60-foot, six-inch thick curtain that he would go in to where the Ark of the Covenant was, which was the presence of God. They take that box into battle with them. They win every fight. You take the presence of God with you, wherever you go, you win. This guy, this priest would go into the most holy place with a rope tied around his ankle, with bells on. You know why? Because if he doesn't go in there perfectly and sinless, and just the way he's supposed to go in because he's dealing with the presence of God. They stop hearing the bells jingle and they pull him out with the rope. Really? And Jesus is inviting us to go in there. Yeah. When Jesus died on the cross, Aiden, do you know what happened to that curtain? You don't know this story, do you? This is legit. When Jesus, the moment Jesus died on the cross for your sins, the curtain that was separating in the temple in Jerusalem, the curtain, the 60-foot curtain, six inches thick, that was separating the people in church from the presence of God behind the curtain, that curtain, as soon as Jesus died, it says the curtain ripped from the top to the bottom and split open. Woohoo! Yeah! Look what it says there. So, friends, Hebrews 10 19. So, friends, we can now, everybody say now. Come on, church, say now. We can now, without even hesitation, walk right up to God, into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. You don't need any other priest but Jesus. The curtain into God's presence is his body. 
So let us do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. So let us do it, it says. Let us do it. Don't come to God like this. Oh, God, eh." don't do that. That's an insult to the blood of Jesus. You come with confidence in the blood of Christ. That's why when people say, oh, I'm bombarding the gates of heaven. Like, you're going to lose me on camera here. But, you know, can you imagine if somebody comes to our church here and they're going like this? They're going, oh, I'm bombarding the gates of the gathering place church. I want in. Ah." What would you guys think? What would you guys think? Yeah, or, you know, oh, uh, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I'm knocking on the door of heaven. I'm knocking. What did the Bible say? It said what? Come boldly where? To the throne. The blood of Jesus, the Bible says. It says when Jesus rose from the dead, he sprinkled his blood over the heavenly utensils. What does that mean? God told Moses to build a tent, a tabernacle, And he told him exactly how to do it because it is an exact replica of the temple in heaven. And the holiest of holies that was in the tent in the desert or the temple of Solomon is exactly where the presence of God is up in heaven. And Jesus said, the Bible says, his blood was sprinkled all the way up to the utensils. That's all the utensils you would see in Moses' tabernacle are the same utensils in heaven. It was a copy of heaven's courtroom. And his blood, Jesus sprinkled his blood all the way up to the throne of God so you and I, any day of the week, 24-7, could walk straight up to the throne of God as long as you're coming by the blood of the Lamb. Boom. And you can talk face-to-face with God. And ask him for stuff. (laughs) We take this for granted, but it costs the blood of Jesus to make this available to us. Now, this may seem like a small thing, but it's an example. So, these young guys here that uh, we meet at my home on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. And Wednesday night, I was teaching them on prayer. And by the time we got done, we were on our knees and on our face on the carpet praying. And I said, write down things you want to see change. I said, it's not all going to happen, but some will. And we got up in it. And we're praying for intense stuff. But then Blake says, I need my truck to sell. Now, you might think, oh my gosh, We have a war going on over here in the Middle East. We have suffering children over here, right? We have the starving over here. You think God really cares about your truck? He does. Don't limit God. He, he, I pray for everything. Tiny, medium, and grande. And when I get to heaven, I can apologize if I ask for too much stuff. But I don't think it offends him when we ask him for, do you care about the little, tiniest little boo-boo on your, uh, in your uh, child's life? Parent, mom, dad, do you care? So are you saying you're better than God? I like that. No! How dare you say that? Well, come on. When you are afraid to pray for the smallest, tiniest little thing, 
What are you saying about the heart of the Father? That he doesn't care about the tiniest, smallest thing. The Bible says he has every hair in your head numbered, and for some it's easier than others. I'm sorry, that just... The only curtain that's left between you and God is the curtain in your mind. That curtain of shame used to block me from God for about the first five to ten years of my Christianity. I've been walking with him for 40 years now. Once I realized that Jesus not only bore my sin, but he also bore my shame, the emotion that's attached to the sin... That curtain came down in my mind, and I go straight into the presence of God every time. Jesus took care of it all. Hebrews 12, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. Isn't that incredible, Ava? Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. To make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That's the Bible, the Word of God. Look what Hebrews 12, 22 in the NCV says, New, New Century Version. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith, because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. My question to you today, family of God, is are you sin conscious or are you Christ conscious? When you come before God, are you thinking about your sin are you thinking about the blood of Christ? Are you thinking about you? Or are you thinking about him? I told you before, and I wasn't overstating. If you can have courage in these two areas today, what we're talking about, and next week what we're going to talk about, you are going to be uber successful on this side of heaven. Because you're going to be such a bold, courageous Christian knowing that you can go right up to the throne of God at any second of your life. And just pray the biggest, fattest prayers that you could possibly. Oh. Well. That means I'm done, by the way. Okay, then let's do this. I'm going to close with this. Hebrews 4.16. Amplified. Let us, therefore. Now you behave yourself. You settle down. You settle down. Therefore. That's great having my daughter in the house today. My daughter, Bella, for those of you who don't know her, this is Isabella. She leads worship at Old People's Church down in San Diego. She graduated from Point Loma Naz. And uh, I won't say anything else without your permission. Do I have permission? No. <laughs> Something very special is going to happen next July. Okay. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence, without fear, so that we may... Re okay, now, here's the question I want to close with. What did the Scripture say we're coming to the throne of God to receive? It's right there in the Scripture. Let us come to the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive what? Mercy. Mercy. For our failures, not shame, it's not the throne of judgment, it's not the throne of condemnation, it's not the throne of I can't believe you did it again. The throne of what? Say it. Mercy. mercy. Do you know what the definition of mercy is? 
not getting what I deserve, which is judgment. We come to the throne of grace, and the first thing we experience is God's mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I deserve judgment. I'm not going to give that to you. What do we get? And find his, back to the scripture, so that we may receive mercy. We're going to do this in just a moment as a church. So that we may receive. Everybody say receive. You got to receive it, man. Somebody can pour water on your face, but if you don't open your mouth, you're not going to get any, any you're not going to get a refreshing drink. You got to come to the throne of grace and receive his mercy and find his amazing what come on church his what his grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment what's the definition of grace getting what i don't deserve mercy is not getting what i do deserve grace is getting what i don't deserve which is all the blessings of god and how do we get it how do we come to the throne of God? Yeah, and what enables us to come boldly? Only one thing, family. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. And we close with Ephesians 3.12. Christ now. Let's all read this out loud together. Christ now gives us courage and confidence so we can come to God by faith. Let's all stand.